0: You're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. Mate, 2020, what a year. Just insane. Just an incredible year. I think you can sum up 2020 in memes. I love a good meme. And I feel like one of the only redeeming features of 2020 has been the high quality of memes. There's been some extraordinary ones that have come out. Perhaps people had more time on their hands, or it just felt like every couple of weeks, there was this new meme that was a commentary on the year that we were having. There's so many different things that happened. There was bushfires, there was coronavirus, there's been political turmoil, and I haven't even mentioned homeschooling. It just felt like every week something knew was happening that was difficult and tough for us to deal with. I think my favourite meme though was actually this one. Uh, I'm going to stay up on New Year's Eve this year, not to see the new new year in, but to make sure that the old one leaves. I I kind of love that one. Although I did see this other one just the other day, which brought out a cold sweat. What if 2020 is just a trailer of 2021? That's not a thought that we want to have. But uh, it was interesting to see though, uh, how these memes actually started to dry up as the year went on. I don't know if malaise just set in, people's creativity was numbed by months of lockdown or things actually kind of got beyond a joke. Too many hard things because it has been a hard year. In many countries we've seen horrific death tolls, hundreds of thousands of people. Mercifully here in Australia we've been spared that and yet we have experienced the the hardship of lockdown. I'm coming to you from Melbourne, home of one of the longest and toughest lockdowns anywhere in the world, seven months worth, cut off from the world outside our homes. And so I actually think that for many of us, whether we're here in Melbourne or somewhere else in the world, this year can be defined by distance, distance from normality, not able to just go to the footy with a big crowd of people, no morning ritual or just walking through the streets, grabbing your coffee, distance from each other, stickers and signs warning us, telling us, commanding us to keep our distance, distance from loved ones, from family and friends, no coffee catch-ups, no play dates with the cousins, no hugs in the hard times or the good times, Distance from the rest of the world. No travel. I was in Aldi the other day and this electronic chime came off that sounded like the the chime that you hear at at the airport when there's a PA announcement and I just felt so nostalgic and thought to myself, when's the next time I'm going to travel on a plane? It has been a year then of profound distance Now, this has always been explained to us as necessary so that we can be together. There's catchy slogans like staying apart will keep us together. And as the year has progressed, Christmas has become symbolic of this hope. All around the world leaders have told us repeatedly we're doing this so that we can come together at Christmas time. This is our best chance of a normal Christmas together with the people that we love. If we suck up the pain now, it'll pay off for us later. All of these long months of distance and separation will come uh, will end as we come together for this beautiful time family and friends at Christmas. And so here we are. At Christmas. But what if, what if Christmas doesn't turn out the way that we want it to? What if Christmas disappoints in a way that only 2020 can? What if you miss out on getting a turkey because there's a, there's a rush at the supermarket, just like there was with the toilet paper? Or, or what if, knowing 2020, this is how it could easily go, uh, your Christmas lights fall off the veranda, they crash through the window, they knock over the Christmas tree, uh, the tree sets something alight, uh, one of the presents, a robot that you bought for your kids, uh, comes to life and exterminates the dog. That's Christmas 2020. Or what if... What if Christmas in 2020 is just like every other year? You see, Christmas can often be a pretty challenging time. You spend squillions and presents, and the kids still aren't satisfied. You sing songs about peace on earth and goodwill toward men, and then you find yourself sitting next to Uncle Roger, and you just want to throw eggnog in his face. That's the thing, isn't it? As humans, we want to be together, but we actually find it really hard. We want closeness, but we create distance. Just think about it you share something personal with someone, seeking their help, and instead they use it against you. You strive to give yourself to someone, but then you find yourself holding back. You come together at Christmas, with the people who know you the best, but because they know you the best, they keep reminding you of all the things that you want to forget. We want closeness but we create distance. And so in fact, we've actually been socially distanced long before 2020, we haven't used that term, but that's been the reality, the reality of our lives. Really, I wanna suggest to you today that that's been the reality of all humans through all of history, right back to the very beginning. Uh, I've always drawn to the story of Genesis one to three, and the life in the Garden of Eden for the first humans. In these first three chapters, I think we we make sense of everything else that follows afterwards. First of all, we see these two people, the first humans, Adam and Eve, made to live with God and with each other. In these opening chapters, we get a glimpse of what it was like. They're, they're close to God. They're, they're working alongside Him, establishing the world. Uh, there's this sense that they're, they're even walking together in the garden. There's this common purpose that they share and this fellowship. And they're close to each other. Genesis 2 25, the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. There was, there was no distance between them. They had total intimacy, emotional and spiritual. But then it's all shattered and things fall apart in Genesis 3 we see Adam and Eve turn away from God and fall from grace though they were made to live with God and for God they chose to strike out on their own to separate themselves from him but that has consequences and one of the most tragic is the distance and the separation that they have from God and from each other you see uh, the distance formed between them first of all, Adam and Eve were made to be together, but as soon as they disobey God, what happens? Genesis 3 verse 7. then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked. They felt their nakedness, they feel shame and insecurity. They started to protect themselves because they weren't sure that the other person would protect them. There's distance here between these two two people. And we see it between those people and God himself. In Genesis 3 verse 8, we're told uh, that the first humans heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. With a broken heart, God calls after them, where are you? He knows where they are, but he's mourning because he knows that things must now change. A holy, perfect God cannot live with unholy people. And so Adam and Eve must be thrust out of the garden. And so we read in verse 24, He drove out the man, and at the east of the Garden of Eden he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the, tree to the, tree, guard the way to the tree of life. It's such a tragic picture. God had placed man in the garden, And now he is driving him out, casting him out. Humans were made to live with God, to be close to him. But sin means that we are now distant from him. We've been cast out from his presence. It's a horrible picture. And yet I think it actually sheds light on how our relationships work, both with God and with each other. I I think... All of these relationships can be defined by these two terms, closeness and distance. We were made to be close to God and to each other, but sin means that we are distant. Now, that could have been the end of the story. God could have left things like that, but he chose not to. God wanted closeness with us and for us and so he chose a people for himself to to make himself known among them to to draw them together to be a community he gave them his law so that they could learn how to live with God and with each other and then he gave them a way of approaching him with each other the temple and the sacrifices this was the place where God could meet with his people the tabernacle was known as the tent of meeting The temple was the house of God and he was inviting his people to come together and to join with him, to have fellowship with him, to make their way into his house. This is where the creator would meet with his creation. It's a beautiful thing. And yet there's also always this sense of distance. You see, God is perfect and holy blindingly so, Habakkuk the prophet says he is of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong. And so for humans to approach him, humans who are sinful and and don't match up to his standards, certain measures are necessary. We keep hearing about social distancing. You might call this sacred distancing. Before they could come to God, they had to approach him through sacrifices, had to be cleansed of their sin. And even when they came to the temple, there were lots of rules about where they could go and uh, how close they could come. At the center of the temple was the Holy of Holies, God's throne room, so to speak. But it was limited to who could go there and how often they could go there. And so even as you're you're welcoming and, and experiencing the opportunity to meet with God, there's limits to it. Yes, you can come to God's house, this wonderful miracle of being with him but you can't just make yourself at home with him. It's a little bit like fire. You have this incredibly captivating and beautiful thing that you want to be close to, but there's a limit to it thus far and no further. But again, God wanted to be close, so he came closer still. We couldn't just make our home with him, make ourselves home with him, so he made his home with us. And that's what we come to in our reading today. An angel comes to a man named Joseph to tell him that the woman that he's betrothed to, his fiancée, Mary, will have a baby. Matthew 1, verse 21, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And then he's told, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. It's an extraordinary concept. And I want you to just grapple with it for a bit. Just kind of squeeze the juice out of this idea. In Jesus, God has come to humanity. God has come to us. Not near us, not proximate to not a safe distance from, not one and a half metres away. God has come to us. God has come to be with us in Jesus. With us in every aspect of life, in every part of the human experience, With, with us in our joys. The first miracle that Jesus performed was at a wedding where he changed water into wine because God wants to be with us when we celebrate. He's with us in our sorrows. He was there at the gravesite, at the tomb, when one of his best friends, Lazarus, had died. He's with us in our best moments and our worst moments. He was there when, when Peter recognised that he was the Messiah and he was also there when Peter deserted him. He, he was also even just with us in the main mundane things of life, the everyday things. Jesus ate and slept. He got hungry, he got tired, he didn't just teleport everywhere. He, he walked places or he caught a boat. This is the miracle. This is the wonder of God and of Christmas. Emmanuel, God with us. The God who made us, made us for him, came to be with us. Our sin distances us from him, but in Christ, God draws near We couldn't make our home with him, so he made his home with us. But then that's the tragedy of what happened next. You see, even though God had come to us, even though he'd done this extraordinary thing drawing towards us, when he came, he was rejected. He was thrown out. I feel this heaviness every time I read the biographies of Jesus and I get to the end of his life. I see his friends deny him. Judas betray him. I see the crowds baying for his blood, just crucify him, crucify him. I see the the soldiers bullying him and, and shaming him. I see the God who created us rejected by us and cast out. And I think to myself, how could this happen? How could such a good God, such a kind God be rejected in this way? I often think about this, and I think maybe the answer is that as humans, we have this strange kind of ambivalence about being with God. My sense is that we want it, but we also don't want it. We want to be close to Him, but we also don't want Him to be close to us sometimes. There's something that draws us to him, but also something that holds us back. You see this, don't you, with with Adam and Eve. They were made to live with God, made for God's presence. But as soon as they sinned, they wanted to get away from him. They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God. Sin does that, doesn't it? it? It leaves us feeling ashamed before God. We feel his perfection and his holiness, and then we also feel our imperfection and our unholiness, our unworthiness to be around him. Sin makes us want to pull away from him in shame. But it's not just shame, is it? It's sharper than that. There's something else there. There's something like rebellion. It's not just that we can't be close to God. It's also that there's a part of us that just doesn't want to be close to God we don't want God to see what we're doing we don't want to live with him we turn away from him and go our own way rejecting his wisdom and pulling away from his loving presence I mean just for myself often I I do warm to the idea of God with me as a comfort as a support as a friend as as a genie answering all the things that I need giving me those things but to live for him that's much harder To say, right, my ambition is now going to be your ambition. I'm going to pursue your glory, not my own glory. I'm going to do whatever you're looking for rather than myself. I want him to be with me, but I don't want to live for him. And that's ultimately why Jesus was rejected. Jesus was Emmanuel. God with us and while that brought good things it also brought conviction. He made people aware of God's presence, a presence that they wanted to resist and so they rejected him. They didn't just run away from him, they actually tried to destroy him and so there's this strange and horrible kind of irony. When humanity sinned we were cast out of God's presence. When God came to us we tried to cast him out of our presence and yet the wonderful story of christianity is that it was in this casting out that god actually drew us back in look at me look with me back at matthew chapter 1 do you notice what the angel says to joseph verse 21 she will bear a son and you shall call his name jesus for he will save his people from their sins. As one of my friends was pointing out to me the other day, this is the beginning of Matthew's story about Jesus, but he's already pointing towards the end. Jesus has come to save his people from their sins. He's pointing towards the end. At the birth, we're pointed towards the death of Jesus because it was in the death of Jesus that God did something miraculous. In Jesus, God came to be with us and to bring us back to Him, to end and to close the distance between us. But to do that, Jesus actually had to be distanced from God Himself remember a holy god cannot be around sinful people that's why adam and Eve were cast out of god's presence that's that's why there's there were all those rules in the temple all of that stuff and so for us to return to god to be in his presence we had to be made holy our sin had to be done away with had to be taken away and that's what Jesus was doing in his death he took his Our sin upon himself. Our sin was taken away from him and put on on Jesus. And so he dealt with it. Isaiah 53 verse 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. We've all walked away. We've all created distance from God. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. All of our sin is placed on him. So he deals with it. And to deal with it, he is distanced from God. Think back to what Jesus said on the cross. As death drew near, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is a profound mystery. We're delving deep into the realities of the Trinity, that God is one God, but three persons. And in this moment, there's this disturbance, there's this distancing within the Trinity where the Son of God is forsaken by the Father. The one who had always known the Father's pleasure now experiences judgment from the Father because he's carrying our sin. That's what God did for us. Jesus was forsaken by God so that we wouldn't have to be. He was cast out so that we could be drawn in. This is the wonder of the Christian message. This is what we point to in the birth of Jesus, his death so that we might live Isaiah 53, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. His death brings life for us. His distancing brings us close to God. He was cast out so that we could be drawn in. That's what Jesus' death did. And we know that it worked because Jesus rose. Again, from the dead, he rose from the grave. Death was what was required. Jesus did what was required. And so death could not hold him down. And so there was the new life in the manger and there was also new life in the tomb. Jesus rose from the dead. He was cast out and he was forsaken. And then he was welcomed home by God and embraced. And we are with him. Jesus came to be with us and we rise with him to be embraced by God. Now, we who were made for God can come home to him once more. There's this beautiful picture. As Jesus leaves his disciples, he tells them, in my father's house, there are many rooms. I go and prepare a place for you. I will come again and I will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. This is the glorious picture, that if we choose to trust him, acknowledging our need for him, acknowledging the distance, Jesus will close that distance and give us a home with God forever. We were made to be with God. Sin has separated us from him and created distance. God came to be with us and now we can go to be with him forever. Well, I spent a crazy year, a year of distance, a hard year, a horrible year, and no amount of Zoom parties and socials can make up for that. We've all spent months in lockdown, separated from everyone. You may still be feeling that distance, missing family, missing friends. Even as you come together, you may be feeling it. That's because the human experience is one of wanting closeness but experiencing distance often from God and from each other. But I want, to know, I want us all to know this Christmas that God has come near. In Jesus, God took on flesh and dwelt among us. The Creator came to His creation because God wanted to be close Sinners distance us from him and from each other. But in Jesus, God has closed that gap. The one who made you loves you. And he wants you to be with him this Christmas. If you've never done that, then make today the day where you acknowledge him. Where you receive his embrace. I invite you to consider that. Acknowledge your need for him and see his grace. He wants you to come home. He came for you. Now respond to him. And if you've done it before, if you've been a Christian for a while, then this Christmas, enjoy his presence once more. Celebrate his closeness. He's probably been very close to you many times this year. Celebrate that today. And then share that with others. See, God got so close that he gave you his spirit, not just with you or beside you, but inside you. You now have God living within you. Celebrate that today and share that with the world. Go out and embrace the world and those around you, your family, your friends, those who are in need. Embrace them this Christmas. And as you do that, you'll bring God into their world. You'll show the world what He is like. The God who made them. The God who made us to live with Him. Who came to make that a reality once more. Let's pray to Him now. Father God, we thank You that You are with us. You made us to be with You. Sin has separated us from You. But thank You, Jesus, that You came to close that gap. We couldn't make our home with you, so you made our home, your home with us. We thank you, Jesus, that you took on our sin, that you took the distance so that you could draw us close. Help us to respond to that today and to share that with others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Merry Christmas. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.